MacCast, Sunday, December 25th, 2022. Hey, Mac Geeks, it's time for your MacCast, the show for Mac Geeks by Mac Geeks. I'm Adam, and this is a show where we discuss all things Macintosh. How you doing? Welcome back to the MacCast. Glad to be back here with you for another week of Apple news, hints, tips, tricks, and all the going-as-ons in the Apple and Mac community. I hope you are having a wonderful, wonderful holiday, wonderful end of the year. Hard to believe we are fast approaching the end of uh, 2022, but here we are, and uh, we certainly have a few things to talk about. This episode might be a little bit briefer. I uh, want to get off to uh, spend some time with the family and just hang out and enjoy uh, the rest of the holidays here. Hopefully, you're doing the same or have done the same. Uh, you could be listening to this on, on your way back, maybe from your holiday festivities. I never really know, but uh, that is the power and the uh, cool thing about podcasting. Right. But yeah, we're going to hang out here for a little bit. We have a few things to talk about this week. We're going to get into um, some Apple deals for Apple TV Plus. One of them actually kind of falling through. And we have some additional kind of Apple TV, Apple uh, news to talk about. We're going to get into air tags. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, Apple repairs and Macs. We're going to talk about iPhones and uh, what is possibly happening with some of the next generation models. And that'll kind of round out the news for this week. Then we have some follow-up on some things we talked about on previous episodes of the MacCast, getting into Apple Music Sing, uh, talking about uh, security on the Mac, getting into that a little bit. We have a great recommendation from a listener there. And then a question about uh, deduping photos in iOS 16. And that will round out uh, this episode of the MacCast. So it should be a good one. I say we just jump right in to the news, starting off with Apple and the NFL. We've been talking about this for a while. Apple had reportedly been looking to do a deal with the NFL for their Sunday ticket package to bring that to Apple TV+. Plus. This week we found out Apple has reportedly backed out of that deal. After months of hearing that Apple was going to be a top contender, that they were in the last vestiges of trying to close that deal, things this week began to get a little bit dicey. We talked about this, I think, a little bit on the last episode of the MacCast. We started hearing inklings about this, that there were some sticking points between Apple and the NFL. Two of those major points, according to one of the reports, was that Apple wanted more of a partnership with the league, not just to be a content provider, not just to be someone who simply streams the games. Apple also supposedly wanted to bundle NFL Sunday Ticket with their existing service at no additional cost. So for just $6.99 a month, you would get access to NFL Sunday Ticket. And the NFL reportedly believed that that was far too inexpensive and could hurt its deals with other broadcast par partners like CBS and Fox. So that's kind of the story as we've heard it from the Apple rumor side. This week, we also got a little bit of a perspective from what seems to be the NFL's side. This came from a publication called The Athletic. Uh, they said that Apple didn't want to pay enough for 
the rights to the service, which I find to be a little bit hard to believe. I think it was rumored Apple was willing to go as high as like $2.5 billion a year, which was going to be a significant increase over a significant increase over what they're currently paying to their current partner, which is DirecTV. I think some reports had even said Apple might go as high as $3 billion, if I'm remembering correctly. So that one, I'm not so sure about. Uh, some of these other ones, though, sound like they could be plausible. Uh, one was that the NFL was a little concerned just about Apple's legacy in doing streaming, especially sports streaming. They kind of questioned their technology. And this is kind of a new area for Apple streaming. Uh, the piece cited some of the early issues Apple had with streaming uh, Major League Baseball, Friday Night Baseball games, and they did have a few stumbles. Although I think every streaming service, if I remember, Twitter had this kind of problem. I think Amazon had these kinds of early growing pain problems. So I don't think they're that unusual. But reportedly, the NFL was a little bit nervous about that. And then I think the biggest sticking part of the deal was something we did hear about from the earlier rumors that Apple wanted quote-unquote unknown rights to broadcast games. And the idea here was that Apple was looking to future potential platforms that hadn't been developed yet, and they wanted to have a deal that included the rights for that at no, probably no additional cost or probably a marginal additional cost. And really that seems to be Apple kind of hedging their bets for their rumored AR VR headset. And the NFL... I think for obvious reasons, want to be able to negotiate the rights for that separately when that comes about. So that was kind of another sticking point. Between all that stuff, it looks like the deal kind of fell apart. And regardless, the NFL chose YouTube. Uh, YouTube's going to reportedly pay $2 billion a year for the service. And it will be a yet-to-be-priced add-on to their existing YouTube TV service, which already costs a whopping U.S. $64.99 a month. I know it includes a lot of like live channels and that sort of thing, but man, that's a pricey package and you're going to have to pay on top of that to get uh, the NFL Sunday ticket. It would have been really cool for Apple to have picked that up and to have bundled it in. I think it could have been a really big win for Apple, but just couldn't come to a deal and uh, that's kind of what happened. Another little bit of Apple TV news that came about this week via Twitter, Shrimp Apple Pro, the Twitter account that's been pretty good about uh, rumors and being accurate on a number of them, sent out details claiming that the Apple TV app for Android is currently in internal beta testing and would be available soon. So Apple looking to expand their TV service onto Android devices. Those would be smartphones and tablets. They already have an Apple TV app for Android TV, but this is obviously a bigger deal. And it definitely makes a lot of sense that Apple would want to get that out there. Apple trying to expand the Apple TV, Apple TV Plus platform. And obviously they're going to want to be on as many devices as screens as they possibly can. So expect that to probably come out in the, the next few weeks or so, I would imagine. And then finally, Apple currently has a promo that's a pretty good deal for anybody who wants to check out some of their top rated TV shows. Uh, right now, anybody with an Apple ID and access to the Apple TV app can stream the entire first seasons of Bad Sisters, Ted Lasso, Prehistoric Planet, Trying, and The Morning Show. And it looks like that's good until January 3rd. I think I saw this over on Apple Insider. 
there is a prompt that asks you if you want to sign up for a free trial or buy a subscription when you try and play the content, but you can dismiss or ignore that and get access to that content for free without an Apple TV Plus subscription and without even having to sign up. So if you know somebody who is looking to try out Apple TV, the next couple weeks would be a good time apparently to do that. And that offer is going on, like I said, until January 3rd. Here's an interesting thing we talked about recently, I think, some of the AirTag updates that came out. And historically, when Apple updates things like AirTags and even HomePods, some of their uh, more accessory-style devices, they often don't give a lot of details uh, of what is actually in the update. It's usually just, you know, security fixes and bug fixes. And that's about all we get. So we're often left wondering... What is this update and what does it contain? Well, it looks like this week we found out about uh, what's in the three AirTag updates that we've had so far. Apple has now added information to a support article. I will link to it in the show notes at MacCast.com if you want to check it all out. But it, it actually explains what's in each update. And uh, the most significant one probably being the AirTag firmware update 2.0.24, which turns out had some nice enhancements for detecting AirTags that were not yours, but were moving with you. So that sort of anti-stalking features, one of them enables precision finding to help you locate an unknown AirTag that had been moving with you. Originally, you couldn't do precision finding on AirTags that weren't your own. So that's going to help you find and locate one that might be tracking you without your knowledge. And then if your iPhone is awake, a notification can alert you when an AirTag that's separated from its owner is traveling with you and emitting a sound to indicate it has been moved. So those two features are in there. And again, now we know some details. So hopefully Apple will continue to keep this updated as they roll out additional updates. And we can just come back and check that support article to figure out what's in there. It'll make the news reporting on these things a lot more... Um, informational, uh, give a lot more relevance, I guess, to these updates. Apple also appears to have temporarily removed an option to update your home app in iOS 16.2 to the new architecture. So this is the feature that when you update to uh, iOS 16.2, gives you the ability to support uh, Matter, the Matter technology. And we've talked about that quite a bit on the show here. That lets your devices basically set up a mesh network. A lot of people have reported since updating to 16.2, a lot of their devices uh, that support the Matter standard are responding a lot more quickly, and HomeKit just seems to be more responsive and work better. Uh, That is for those folks who haven't run into issues. Supposedly, some other users, and it's not clear how widespread this is, have experienced issues with the update, HomeKit devices getting stuck in an updating or configuring status mode, devices going missing entirely, invitations to share the home with other users are failing, HomeKit secure video recording not working. So a myriad of kind of issues and other issues are being reported. Again, it's not clear how widespread these are, but it's enough that Apple is taking it to heart and apparently has disabled the feature 
for a little bit while they investigate. So they are investigating, they're looking into the issue, and they have already issued a statement saying they will restore the feature once those issues are resolved. So if you haven't already updated to 16.2 or you recently updated to 16.2 and were wondering where is that button in the home app to upgrade to the new architecture it normally would jump prompt the next time you open the home app and let you pick that that has been temporarily disabled and hopefully apple will have that fixed relatively soon and then another little bug to let you know about some iphone 14 pro and pro max owners are reportedly seeing green or yellow lines on their displays looks like this happens when waking from sleep or from initially starting up your device. And so you just kind of get a black screen with a line across it. The reports came in both on Twitter and via Reddit tweets to Apple support. So Apple is aware of it. They've been trying to work with people, but sounds like according to them, it is luckily a software issue. Something seems to be related to software. It's not clear which devices are affected. It looks like it might be ones with LG display panels versus the Samsung display panels, but that's not even 100% clear. But Apple is aware of it. They're looking into it and hopefully we'll have a patch soon. Unfortunately, with this one, it sounds like rebooting the device doesn't always seem to help, according to reports, but there's some mixed uh, information there as well. So if you've run into this run into this issue, I would say contact Apple support, see if they can help you. Hopefully they have some sort of temporary workaround, but long term, it sounds like they're going to have to push out some sort of software update. So if you run into that, uh, you are definitely not alone and it is something that is happening. We talked a little bit recently about Apple's self-repair program. They recently expanded it over into the EU. And this week we heard about another update that's pretty nice. Uh, for a while, the only thing you've been able to get information and parts on have been M1 MacBooks, MacBook Pros and MacBook Airs and the latest iPhones. Now this week, it looks like you can get parts and tools for repairing desktop Macs. So they're finally starting to add desktop Macs to the program. Uh, it's starting with the M1 iMac, M1 Mac Mini, and the Mac Studios. Unfortunately for now, it seems like Mac desktop, rep desktop repairs are limited to the United States. This is despite Apple expanding that self-repair program to Belgium, France, Germany, Italy, Poland, Swain, Spain, rather, Sweden, and the UK earlier in December. So hopefully they'll roll Mac repairs out to those countries relatively soon. Seems like they want to get things up and running in the US, and then we'll have a wider rollout probably sometime in 2023. According to DigiTimes, TSMC has begun mass production of their three nanometer chips, and that could be good news for those of us those of us who have been waiting for Apple's M2 Pro and M2 Max chips to come out so that Apple can bring the updates to the 14-inch and 16-inch MacBook Pros. We've been talking about that rumor for a while. It was hoped that Apple would have those machines ready this year. Looks like they didn't make that timeline, and uh, they could be right around the corner at this point. 
Uh, TSMC is reportedly beginning production here at the end of December, and that would mean Apple could potentially have chips available in early 2023. Remember, we're also expecting an update to the Mac Mini, or actually really a new Mac Mini model, a Mac Mini Pro with an M2 Pro processor. So these new machines could be announced, I would think, sometime in the first quarter of 2023. I'm thinking March April timeframe. So stay tuned for that. And then finally, in the news for this week, we have a little bit of information that we normally don't get kind of some insight into Apple's chip development, and what might have happened with the GPU in the iPhone 14 models. Apple works their teams pretty hard, as you might imagine, and their chip design team is no exception. And so Apple has had quite a bit of turnover as they basically burn out developers. A lot of developers get picked up by other competing firms. Uh, This week, the site The Information has details coming from an Apple lawsuit that alleges chip startups Nuvia and Revos poached dozens of engineers from Apple and also stole proprietary chip development information. Uh, Within that, though, they found as part of it, it was disclosed that Apple had hoped or had been hoping for a big leap in their GPU design for the A15 chips. But apparently they say, according to the report, quote unquote, designers were too ambitious with adding new features and the system had flaws. There were hopes that the improved GPUs could power features like hardware accelerated ray tracing, but the designs caused too much power draw and generated too much heat and ultimately reportedly had to be scrapped during the late stage of development. So that's something very unusual for Apple. And for us to find out this kind of information, that's usually stuff Apple keeps pretty close. Uh, But apparently because of this lawsuit, uh, some information is coming out and uh, we found out, hey, we could have had a slightly better GPU, but didn't work out this time around. So maybe, uh, maybe A16 is when we'll see that. And Ming-Chi Kuo thinks that Apple could postpone shipping or maybe even cancel plans for the fourth generation of the iPhone SE. That's going to be disappointing news for a number of you out there. I know there are a lot of fans of that design and smaller phone designs in general. Quo rolled out his predictions in a series of tweets this week. The gist of it is that Apple devices in the mid-tier and low-end have struggled, and we've talked about that quite a bit here on the MacCast. Basically, to meet sales expectations, they really kind of underperform compared to Apple's flagship devices. And with the current state of the economy, recession kind of ongoing, looming, and not really knowing what is going to happen in 2023. Apple could be looking to cut back on production and R&D to save a little bit of money. And for sure, you've got a couple of niche products here, the iPhone SE being one of those that sells to a certain demographic, but just doesn't sell in volume numbers. So it could make sense that Apple might decide to maybe only update that model every couple years. So we could have a little bit of weight on the iPhone SE. It's a little bit disappointing because this next version, the iPhone SE 4, has been rumored to be a pretty big redesign with Apple moving more to that edge-to-edge display, notch design, losing the home button. It's not clear if they would go with Face ID or the Touch ID button on the side, but 
it would definitely be a radical redesign and it would just mean for Apple more production cost and potentially lower margins or to counteract that they would have to kind of increase the price of the iPhone SE and it's really meant to be that entry-level model so that gets a little bit dicey as well. So Apple kind of trying to make them some decisions on that and Ming-Chi Kuo commenting that you know the result of it could be a total cancellation of the product or best case scenario it's delayed until maybe 2024 so if you're looking for the next generation iphone se be prepared that you might have to wait a little bit longer but with that that is going to do it for the news for this week before we move on i do want to take a quick moment and thank my show sponsor rocket money hey are you wasting time on subscriptions 80% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about. Maybe it's your unused Amazon Prime account or a Hulu account that never gets streamed. Good news is there's a great app that helps keep track of all your expenses. And with it, you'll no longer waste money on subscriptions you don't even use. You might have heard of it. It's called Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill. The app shows you all of your subscriptions in one place and then cancels for you whatever you don't still want. Rocket Money can even find subscriptions you don't know you were paying for. You may even find out that you've been double charged for a subscription. To cancel a subscription, all you have to do is press cancel and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Get rid of useless subscriptions with Rocket Money now. Go to rocketmoney.com slash maccast Seriously, you could save hundreds per year. That's rocketmoney.com slash maccast. Cancel your unnecessary subscriptions right now at rocketmoney.com slash maccast. And a big thank you to Rocket Money for their support of the show. You may remember last week we were talking about the new Apple Music Sing. This is Apple's kind of karaoke style feature that they've built into the music app on iOS and on Apple TV. It is really, really cool. And basically, it takes a number of tracks that you can find on Apple Music and allows you to adjust the vocal volume basically all the way down to the point where you can completely remove the vocals and just have the backing track and sing along with it. Or you can kind of do do a duet and bring the vocals up. But it does an amazing job of it and it does it on it does it in real time so we had a question about hey how does that work at a technical level i haven't got the exact answer i gave some speculation some of my own guesses based on apple's built-in technologies and just based on which devices have the feature available it looks like it does need a pretty beefy cpu and i postulated that it probably is really down to the neural engine it probably needs to have the latest and greatest neural engine and a lot of processing power to do all of that stuff in real time and i'm guessing that apple flavored in a little bit of ai in there as well so that was my guess Uh, and i also basically mentioned that it's not easy to remove vocals from a track and that prompted miles who's actually a retired musician and uh, works in the studio works on audio to send me an email and say, hey, I don't know how Apple is doing it either, but I wanted to point out that it is possible to do this uh, with you know, technology prior to Apple Music Sing. Isotope, which is a professional music plugin maker, they have a thing called RX Advanced. And he says within that, there's an algorithm called Music 
rebalance. And that allows you to go in, take a, take a track, you can isolate and lower the vocals, lower them down, listen to a preview, kind of fine-tune the vocal removal, and then apply that to the entire track. And he says it does an amazing job. It can pull out the vocal track and just give you a backing track. He says it works great, but it is processor-intensive. Miles even noted it took about five minutes to remove vocals from a four-minute track on his Mac Studio with an M1 Ultra processor. So that processor's no slouch. And uh, definitely, yes, you could do this kind of thing inside professional music apps today with professional tools. But I think it actually only serves to prove my initial point, which is, hey, it is not easy to remove vocals from an existing track. And Isotope RX Advanced is a $800 professional plugin, an $800 plugin that has to go into another, you know, expensive music app like Adobe Audition or Apple's Logic Pro. So you're going to be spending a lot of money. And here we have Apple's free music app with an Apple Music subscription doing this in real time on an iPhone, not five minutes for a four-minute song. So that is just crazy. And again, there has to be some magic pixie dust kind of technology going on under there to make all of that happen in real time. So I think it's just really, really cool. Miles, I definitely appreciate you uh, emailing in and, and letting us know how it's currently done. Because again, I think it just kind of illustrates how amazing Apple's engineering and software teams and hardware teams are that they can optimize this kind of thing and give us that kind of technology in something like Apple Music. Another thing we were talking about on a previous episode of the MacCast was how to go in and check on your Mac uh, the background apps and processes that are running. This is part of the system preferences in iOS or sorry, Mac OS Ventura. And you can go in now and you can see which background processes are running and turn those on and off. So it came up a question on, you know, how do I find my startup applications, stuff like that. That So if you need to uh, know how to do that, go back and listen to, I think it was two episodes ago, and uh, you can get that information. But Chris emailed me this week to kind of follow up on that with a recommendation of a great app because there was a follow-up question I think in the next episode where someone asked how do I know so it's great I can go in and I can see what background apps and processes are running how do I know what's legit and what might be malware and I talked about a few ways you could do that including just googling and looking for the information but Chris said hey I have a great application from Objective C and that's S E E little play on words um great software developer uh, and he has an application called Knock Knock. I'll have a link to it in the show notes at maccast.com. It's a quote-unquote free app. Uh, actually, all the apps over at Objective-C are technically free, but if you do like them and use them, consider donating to the developer, and uh, I think he has a Patreon, and, and there are ways to support the developer because this guy works in security research, 
and does an amazing job creating these great security apps. And Knock Knock, what's cool about it is you can download this, you can scan for your background apps and processes, and it will show you what's running. But unlike what you have with Apple, where it just kind of gives you the name of the thing, and it might be a little bit cryptic, this provides a lot more detail. So you can kind of see where it's installed. It'll go out and try to figure out what it's doing, who it came from, who the developer is, has a cool little feature where there will be a lock, a little lock icon next to each uh, application that lets you know, hey, it's an this one's from Apple. It's an Apple process, and it will show a green lock icon. If it's a process from an app that's signed by the developer, so probably something you installed, you'll get a black locked icon. And then if it's an unsigned app, you get a red unlocked icon. And just because it's unsigned, it doesn't necessarily mean it's malware, but it would be something that you might want to look into a little bit more deeply and kind of do a little bit more investigation on. And again, the app might be able to provide you more details. It also has a virus total, uh, an antivirus, anti-malware app built into it that's integrated so it can alert you to known malware it's not a malware removal tool but it can help identify if you do have some malware on your system and then you could potentially get it out of there so really cool application i love objective c so thank you chris for reminding me about them and their great apps they actually have another great tool because we talked about recently hey how do i detect apps that are maybe calling out on my network and uh, you know, phone sort of phoning home and sending out information, or trying to make outbound network network requests. Um, they have another great tool called Lulu that will actually watch for unknown outgoing network connections and give you the option to block them and know that that's going on. It's very similar to Little Snitch, which is another great application. I'll have a link to that in the show notes at MacCast.com. Does pretty much the same thing, but with Lulu, you can uh, see those outbound connections. You can even set up rules for existing apps because a lot of times these tools can be a little bit tricky because they're chatty right once you install them they start telling you about all these network outbound network connections that are happening a lot of them legit you know most of them are probably legitimate most of them you probably want going on for example a software application calling back out to see if there's a software update an automated software update that they would let you know about so you know adobe apps do this microsoft apps do this so it's pretty common so you can set up rules for those applications that say yeah i know those are going to be making outbound connections to these domains that's okay but with this tool, it can alert you to, hey, that's weird. Why is that app calling out to that weird website? Um, and then you can make informed decisions or or maybe even catch something that's doing something it shouldn't be. So great applications over at objectivec.org. And again, that's S-E-E. And uh, big thank you to Chris for sending in that recommendation. And then the last thing that I have for you uh, this week is a question from a listener about the Photos app in iOS 16 and a new feature that was added for finding and detecting duplicate photos. And I think this is also in macOS Ventura. So I think it's just all the latest version of the photo app. But Ronald wrote in because he said, hey, I'm not seeing this duplicate option anywhere in the app. How do I actually use this feature? Where do I find it? And there's a couple things that might be happening here, Ronald, but the duplicates 
should be in the albums section. Basically, it's an album. You might have to scroll on iOS all the way to the bottom. It should be under kind of a utilities section. That's in the same area where it shows you your imports, any hidden photos that you have, also your deleted items, so recently deleted photos. And um, it should be in there. Now, if you don't have any duplicates, that album won't show up at all. So it's possible that you don't have any duplicates. I also believe that this feature uses some of the AI technology and machine learning technology built into your device or on your Mac. I believe it does every, I'm pretty sure it does everything locally, but it does have to do a scan. So if you recently updated, I do think depending upon the size of your library, it might take a while for it to go in and find and actually detect the duplicates. So if you just recently upgraded, you might want to wait or day or two and give it some time to do its magic and then potentially that album will show up. But if the album just never shows up, it's entirely possible you just don't have any duplicates in your photo library. But regardless, it if you do have duplicates, the feature is really, really cool. I've actually used it. And what's really neat about it is you go in and it will show you your your duplicate photos kind of side by side, show you preview images of them. It gives you the sizes. So like in my case, there were a number of photos where I had kind of the original and then for some reason a thumbnail or a smaller version of it probably from an old version of the photo app something like that or maybe from a recovery way way in the past because it's because it tended to be some of my older photos Um, and then what it does is it gives you the option to merge those photos so it doesn't just like throw one out and keep one it actually attempts to merge it together and why that's important is it takes any metadata that you have and will actually work i think smartly behind the scenes to combine that it keeps the higher resolution version of the photo i believe the other one goes into your deleted items so you still have that kind of 30-day window to potentially get it back um so it gets all cleaned up and that's really cool. And then another cool feature is if you have a lot of them, you can go in and you can select a whole batch or you can select all of them. And then when you choose the merge option, it will actually detect and ask you, hey, these are all exact matches. So we're pretty sure they're exact duplicates. Do you want to just merge those or do you want to merge everything? So in my case, I had about 270 duplicates. About 200 of them were exact matches. And then the other 70 uh, were that situation where I had kind of a high-res one and then a lower-res image. And so I chose to just merge everything together. But I could have picked the 200 and then manually went through and kind of inspected each one of those extra 70 to kind of decide what I wanted to do with those. So it is a really nice feature. I think it works really well. Uh, It's nice and quick and it can clean up a pretty messy photo library if you have a lot of duplicates. But again, Ronald, if you have no duplicates, you might not see the feature at all. And that could be what's happening in your case. Otherwise, just give it a couple days and, and maybe they'll start to pop in there. But with that, that is going to do it for the show for this week. Um, before I leave you, I do just want to comment. Here we are at the end of the year. A couple things, little housekeeping things. One, um, I uh, this is going to be the last MacCast for the year. I'm going to take this next week off and spend some time with my family, just enjoy the end of the year here. And I will be back with an episode 
in the first week of January. So just be aware of that. The other thing is I just want to thank you for another great year of the MacCast. I really appreciate you supporting the show, being a listener. Extra, extra thanks to my Patreons who support the show. Uh, It means so much to me and my family. So I appreciate you being a Patreon. And uh, that goes a long way to help support the show, especially with our costs and, and just running the podcast in general. So thank you. Thank you. Very, very much appreciated. And just I, I've had a wonderful year with you this year. I look forward to your comments and your emails every week. Uh, really, this show couldn't happen without you, the community. This is, as I've always said when I started the show, the whole idea behind it was it's a community podcast. It's about our back and forth. It's about our conversation. It's about learning together. It's about helping each other. And uh, just we've had another year where that's completely exemplified um, by this community. So I so appreciate you in the community. I appreciate your support. I appreciate listening. And I probably don't say it enough, but here we are at the end of the year, and I figured it was the appropriate time to just say Thank you. Thank you for listening. And uh, I look forward to another great year with you in 2023. So take care. And a few other little housekeeping things before we go. Bandwidth for the MacCast is provided by Cashfly. You can find them at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com. And all advertising on the MacCast is handled by Backbeat Media. They are at BackbeatMedia.com. As always, I love hearing from you. If you have a comment, a question, something you'd like to hear covered on a future episode of the MacCast, please send your emails and audio comments to MacCast at gmail.com. You're also welcome to call in on the listener hotline and leave a voicemail. That phone number is 281-622-4269, 281-MAC-I-M-9. And you can follow me on social media. You'll find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash MacCast. You can check out the MacCast Facebook page over at facebook.com slash the MacCast or find me on Instagram, just MacCast on Instagram. But that will do it for now. I'll see you in 2023 and talk to you all again next year. <laughs>